ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Passwell Podcast. It's Jeremy Brenner here, your host, and today's podcast has a bit more of a somber tone behind it, as today marks the one-year anniversary of the death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and the rest of the helicopter crash victims. But we're going to use this as a celebration of one of Kobe's greatest accomplishments. Uh, another thing that celebrated its 15-year anniversary just last week, I'm obviously talking about his 81-point game against the Toronto Raptors, one of the, honestly, one of the greatest moments in NBA history, and one of the most single-game best achievements ever. And I wanted to bring someone onto the podcast that uh, would be an expert in the field, uh, one of the best Laker minds I know, Mr. Harrison Fagan, he is the uh, lead writer, contributor for Silver Screen and Roll over at SB Nation. Harrison, thank you for coming on and uh, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm, you know, I'm doing as well as anybody can be in 2021. I feel like that's like the stock answer for right now, but, uh, you know, not too much to complain about. It's obviously, you know, like like you said, I mean, we're recording this a couple days before, but it's, you know, it's a sad time, especially, or I guess like a bittersweet time in Lakerland, because I think there's like with a year removed, there's been a lot of reminiscing on, you know, kind of the great moments of Kobe's career, a little bit more removed from the sadness of it, but it's also like, you know, it's going to be a reminder every year that he's no longer with us and that all of those people lost their lives that day and so um you know just like a, a little bit of an up and down week but um like i'm i'm thrilled to be here and i just want to say like you know right off the bat you have an all-time podcast name uh basketball is uh like incredibly clever and i love it you know it took me a while to come up with it i was like we were thinking like hoops history we like the alliteration kind of thing but honestly sometimes it's like naming a baby you gotta yeah. just Throw names out on a wall, see what sticks. And once basketball came out of my mouth, it stuck. It stuck. Yeah, no, it's it's a great play on words for sure. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, this podcast, the content is as good as the name. So um, (laughs) that's all. uh, That's all any of us that post podcasts can hope for. Yeah. So I think all of us, you know, unfortunately, will always, especially people like you and I in basketball news, will always remember where we were when we found out about Kobe's death. So. I'm going to ask you that question. Where were you when you found out a year ago today? Where so I was uh, I was actually on my couch with uh, my then fiance, now wife, and I was playing. Uh, Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I was uh, I was playing PlayStation. We were playing Jedi Fallen Order. It's a great game. Um, and I actually like I got a text from my old editor. This was and also like just for context, this was my first day off that week since uh, like I had just returned to work after having like a like horrible gallbladder attack like thing. Oh, and like it just do not recommend that at all. It was luckily like pre-pandemic so the emergency room was a little bit less of a scary place but um you know like and so I was like enjoying my day off like I'd come back to work I was Mm -hmm. tired and then like I was you know like just relaxing and I get a text from my old editor Drew Garrison at Silver Screen and Roll and he's like did you hear like is this true about Kobe and like I just I didn't even know you know what to go to off of is this true about Kobe and like so Mm -hmm. I immediately jump into our Silver Screen and Roll Slack see that you know, the TMZ report. And I I just remember my first thought being like, okay, like, you know, TMZ gets stuff right sometimes, but like, hopefully this is something where they jump the gun. Like, you know, they obviously aren't like the New York times or like a legacy media institution with all due respect and sometimes lack of respect to TMZ. But like, I was 
just immediately like, okay, hopefully this is not true. Like they heard something wrong on the police scanner or, you know, who knows how this stuff like gets going sometimes. And it was just like hoping that, and there were so many different reports about like who was in the helicopter, what was going on, all this stuff. You're just hoping that all of it is not true. And it's like almost one of these like games of telephone where it's just kind of going around and everybody has like their own version that they've heard. And then obviously, you know, it turned out it was, uh, it was true. And then it was honestly like one of, uh, I think like the, like, you know, as bad as 2020 got, that was probably one of the toughest months of it. I think for all of us, you know, even though we weren't in lockdown, even though there wasn't like a pandemic hitting our shores yet, it was just, you know, like I've never experienced, I don't think like that level of collective grief you know, with an almost the entire city, it felt like came to a stop over those next couple of days. And it, it was just unique to anything in uh, my life experience. Mm-hmm. As someone and as someone who, like myself, has no connection to Los Angeles, no connection really to Kobe. Honestly, I could feel, you know, you know, that feeling when your heart just drops and you yeah. feel it. That's what I felt. And I, and I, I'm sure I'm not alone in that thought. And it was just, you're like, no, like, and even still to this day, I, I still don't think it's really registered that he, he's passed away because honestly, I'll say this. And I said this after he passed away and I'll say it now. Kobe Bryant's a legend and legends never die. I mean, that's, that's what LeBron keeps going back to as well. Like that's, that's become a favorite line of his and talking Mm -hmm. about like how they can, you know, this team still plays for him and this team still thinks about him. They're actually still ending all of their huddles with one, two, three Mamba. Like, you know, they've been talking about the last couple of days because it has become like an almost unofficial, like Kobe grief week is, you know, reporters Mm -hmm. try to prepare their stories for this day. Uh, like, so they've been getting asked like all week, basically, what do they remember about Kobe? All these various questions about Kobe. And, you know, it's clear that it's still something that has an impact on this team. Like from, you know, Marcus all didn't just straight up cut a reporter off. Didn't want to answer a question said he still can't talk about it. Like, uh, it's something, and I know there are people in the organization that still feel like, you know, incredibly like heartbroken about this. And that same feeling that you describe of there are times where like, it just hits you. And like something, you see a picture, you remember a basketball game, or you see like, this is the first Laker to do X, Y, or Z since Kobe Bryant. And it's, there are these little things that just are triggers. And it reminds you, it's like, yeah, you know, like he's not going to be courtside anymore, watching games with Gianna and like all these things. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll share my little bit of where I was. So I was on my computer that I'm looking at right now. And I was playing this like online poker tournament just for fun, like, not for money, kids. Don't no no ga- gambling is not recommended here. He's uh, winking on- the whole time that he's saying this. <laughs> <laughs> but I was playing a poker tournament, and I get like a, a notification from my editor, Darren, and uh, he's like Kobe. He does. I don't think he said anything else other than Kobe. And I was like, he's like, I was like, what do you mean? Like, and so then I looked on Twitter, and I'm like. Oh, 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 expletive. Like, yeah. And then, so I'm trying to get out of this poker tournament because I'm like, I got to go to work and I don't want to just, you know, leave. Yeah. I, I have, I have like those virtual coins, like I'm trying to get. I go in all in on like a nine three offsuit. I win the hand. And then I'm like, okay, I'll go all in on the next hand. And I was like, 10 five. I win that hand. And I, I literally tried to get out of this poker tournament for like 10 hands and I couldn't do it. And then before I knew it, I had the most chips at the table. And I was like, I can't get out of this. You can't, you can't cash out. 
No, no, it wasn't because it was like a game, you know, where you you go to the end. Oh like, yeah, yeah, I get, I get you. Like yeah, that, that, I guess. that's right. Yeah, so they... I was like, I was like, man, like I cannot get out of this, and I was tr- like playing the worst poker, like intentionally playing the worst poker I could possibly play, and I could still not get out of this. You know, eventually I did, and you know the Rockets were playing a matinee game that day, and I cover the Rockets over at the Dream Shake, so uh, the Dream Shake dot com at uh, SB Nation. But you know, it was just like. And we were still trying to scramble and like figure out if there was a game that day or, you know, what was happening and how the players, it was, that was yeah, a mess in itself. I, I forgot that the Rockets were one. I, I remember, I remember the Spurs playing that day because I'm, I'm, I have memories of, and maybe this actually isn't true and I'm imagining it, but like, I feel like I remember DeMar DeRozan breaking down, uh, like kind of on the court as he was. Yeah, you could tell that day. Yeah. Was, like the, the guys should, like they should not have played games to yeah. be honest that day like and and, like i understand why they did like it's hard to just like stop elite like how do you make that call who do you even talk like how like can adam silver just make that like i I understand that it's a complicated thing but all things being equal like they really should have found a way to stop it it was super sudden it was super no one could it was not like no it came out of left field and way left field so like I think that was part of it, but we'll talk more about, you know, Kobe's impact on the league and and more about his legacy on tomorrow's episode, but let's go back in time. Let's commit a time traveling violation here. We're going back to 2006, uh, 2006, January, what was it? January 17th. Is that the game? Is that the, uh, the day? The, the exact date? Uh, that was, yeah, it was January, uh, no, it was January, January 22nd. Yeah, 22nd. Okay. Yeah, I'm 22nd. like looking at my calendar. I'm like, <laughs> I love how we talked about how we're gonna fact check each other, and here we are. I prepared to fact check other things, not this. I was like, I was, I was not ready to be fact checked on this. How quick is the date of the game? Uh, but January 22nd, 2006, Harrison, take me back. Where were you? I want you to, you know, take me into, you know. Where were you in that in that moment? Did you watch this game? Like you're a Lakers guy, so I, I assume you, you might have been, but I want you to put me into your shoes and tell me about your experience through your lens through with watching this game. Yeah, so uh you actually assume wrong. Um oh, and like I was so I grew up and like you were a Clippers guy growing up. Huh? You were a Clippers guy growing up. No, I was not a Clippers <laughs> guy growing up. Uh I was like you know so this was a thing where like i when growing up when i started to latch on to the lakers Shaq was my favorite player uh you know like he was like and look like for any kid that was growing up lakers fan at that time Shaq was probably your favorite player and there are a lot of people that say that during those three p times that it was kobe and i kind of don't believe them because Shaq was the best player on the team and like that's who most children that age latch on to or maybe i'm just convincing myself like that i'm an acceptable level of bandwagoner i don't know but Shaq was my favorite player and I was so upset when he was uh, when he was getting traded that I literally like stopped watching the Lakers for like a year or two after that. And like, so I did not see this game live. I did not actually see it until I was like in its entirety. I'd obviously seen highlights. Like I saw highlights at the time and like thought it was pretty great. And, you know, put my Laker fan cap back on for the day. But, um, you know, like I uh, like I kind of 
like stopped watching basketball at least as much until like probably closer to like like it was until 2007 ish um like that 07 08 season because i got off to the really fun start and like my brother was watching it and i kind of got into it but yeah the the 81 point game i didn't watch uh, like in its entirety until i think it was that replay that kobe live tweeted for nba tv i like jumped back in and like actually watched the thing like kind of along with him but um yeah i did not see it live in its entire like uh, at all all right, but you've seen the game, so you, you yes. can – and, yeah, it's been I, – obviously, I wasn't someone that watched it live. It was a school night. I was maybe – was like all the people that say that they watch it live, it was like a Sunday matinee game for, like – It was, a, like, it was yeah, a Sunday like, night game. I remember, like, seeing it Not everyone that says that they watched it live watched it live. I yeah. just – I have to say that. <laughs> like, Yeah, I was in the, I was in the third grade, January 2006. I was, a, I was in third grade, and – I remember hearing about it the next day and I was like, like I couldn't, it was something that like, you know, when you're a kid, you like look at things in like totally different view. And I think when you see 81, you're like, teams don't even score 81. Yeah. Cause that was at a point where, you know, threes weren't as prominent and all that, but you're like teams sometimes don't even score 81. How can one guy score 81? But and Kobe in the first quarter of this game, it was a pretty, you know, lax game. They played Toronto, who ended up, you know, getting the number one pick after this season. But it's it's a pretty normal game. Toronto actually has the lead, I believe, during most of the first quarter. And Kobe has 14, which is very good, but it doesn't really show what's to come later in this game. No, and, and like that was kind of the thing that I, you know, was astounding to me. It, watching it even watching it back years later and this is something like i'm not the first person to make this observation but like it was kind of incredible how they came within the flow of the game almost like it was almost that game was almost a commentary on how little help kobe had was that the lakers literally like needed him to score almost all of those 81 points until the last few to like win that game like that was just how like that that was not a good team yeah i mean you look at like Kobe had, he averaged what thirty five a game in two thousand six. I mean, imagine if you take this game away, what that does to his average. It might drop it like a full point, I think, or something close. Yeah, to that. I mean, like, look, if you score eighty one, like, I know that he had the streak of forty point games that year, and like, like he had mm-hmm. some crazy scoring nights. But yeah, like, you you may not be wrong. I'm not like good enough at math to actually live fact check that right now. But like, yeah, I mean, if you score eighty one, that's gonna significantly bump up your scoring average. It probably was, especially because it was mid season. Like, it wasn't the last game of the season or something like that. It was probably hilarious to watch. Like, you know, his his scoring average probably went up like two or three points like the next morning. Just based off of that like randomly in a mid-season game because he dropped 81 the night before Mm -hmm. so kobe so after the first quarter toronto leads 36 29 29 and if you look at kobe's live tweeting of the game in 2013 uh he's asked by nba he says what was your pregame meal that night he says youthful metabolism i'm fresh of pepperoni pizza and grape soda I mean, like, that's almost that. I mean, we can't even say that that is like some kind of like asterisk on it. Like he should get like an extra 20 points or something because Wilt Chamberlain was playing like probably in vans, you know, like or something like that. Like, you know, like he was playing in like 
Converse that his feet were ready to rip through. They were probably too small at the time because he was so huge and like they didn't have shoes for people Wilt Chamberlain size back then. But like otherwise, I'd be willing to give Kobe like a positive asterisk for like an extra 20 points. Like if he had yeah. eaten like, you know, like a healthy meal before the game or something. He had a salad. Could he have hit 100? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like like if he had had like, like, like let's say like grilled chicken, quinoa, like, yeah. you know, like a, like some kind of healthy, like I don't know, like some kind of healthy omelet. Who knows? Like quinoa in 2006 <laughs> yeah i mean like he he could have like like uh, you know he might have broken wilt's record like if he had just eaten healthy like does this say that kobe was not committed enough to the game i yeah. don't know i'm just asking the question I'm, I'm joking that's clear i'm joking and you know he gets to halftime um at halftime this he has 28 i believe or he is 26 at halftime and that's you know pretty good for for anyone and but and you think, I think AD had 26 in the first half against Chicago last night. So like, yeah. like as we're recording this, so like imagine if he had scored eight, like in the second half, he had like finished out with 81. Like that's the kind of thing it was. Exactly. Like, like you think, okay, maybe he's going for 50 tonight. And yeah, and like, exactly. Like 50, you're like, wow, like 50 in one game. And he had those streak of 40 games and you're like, okay, it's probably another 40 ish point game. Cause that's yeah, it's probably, you know, with Kobe. You probably round up and say 60 almost like he had, he had scored yeah. 60 that year. Like he's in range for it. Like he's been doing that kind of thing. Maybe he'll pop tonight. Mm-hmm. But the second half is when he heats up the second half. He drops, I believe what 27 or yeah, 27 points in the entire third quarter. So in the first half, he is 26. And then in the third quarter, 27. And at this point, the Lakers didn't have the lead until 111 left in the third quarter, which that also, too, is. That's what I mean about flow of the game. Like they needed him to score all yes. of these points, like to have a chance. Like that's how insane it was. It was not like, I, I mean, yeah, like I said, like there were, you know, watching the game, like, you know, he stayed in a little bit longer to try and like gun up the gun up the scoring total, like a little bit mm-hmm. right at the end. But for the most part, they really needed him to ice that game and to stay competitive in it. That's the insane thing. And I think part of the reason why he ends up getting 81 is because the team really needs him. Yeah. I mean, look at like Clay Thompson's 60 and three quarters. Like he could have had 81, but the Warriors were up too much and there was no need for him to play in the fourth quarter. James Harden also did the same thing, 60 points in three quarters. Uh, I believe it was last season against the Hawks. So you have. Guys like that. So the thing Kobe is, did the same thing earlier that year against yeah. the Mavs. That's the performance that, you know, he was always like ever the contrarian. That's the one that he always talked about was like almost more impressive because like, you know, like he felt like he had more going that night and then went to the bench because mm-hmm. like they didn't need him. And like, you He's know, gotta like, get the win. That's all. These- I think it was, I think it was Brian Shaw. It was, I forget which player was with him on that team mm-hmm. that was telling this story, but they were basically like, Kobe, like you don't want to go back in. And like, like, cause Phil, I, him there he's like hey do you want to go for 70 you know whatever it is and Kobe's like no I'm good and he's like how many times are you going to get a chance to do that and then he goes for 81 later in the season (laughs) yeah I mean what does that what does that say about the 0506 Lakers that they needed Kobe to score 81 in order to win this game let me Jeremy like just for anyone who forgot at home the Lakers second leader leading scorer in this game was Smush Parker with 13 points Uh uh-huh like (laughs) Smush Parker Smush, if Smush Parker is like has an argument as being your second best player, like he wasn't, it was Lamar Odom, but like you know, like if Chris, if Smush Parker is like your third best player, maybe you know, like 
like that says something about the roster. Like there's a there's a reason that Kobe was demanding a trade like a couple of years after this. Like this was not a competitive basketball team. It was not a good basketball team. Like I, I you know, I I assume that, you know, Chris Mim, when he's retelling the story, talks about the night that he and Kobe combined for 93. Yeah. Hey, Kobe and Smush Parker combined for 94. Yeah, no, I mean, never forget the highest scoring duo in NBA history. <laughs> Besides Wilt and probably someone else on his team. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so you're getting to a point. You're at the end of the third quarter. Lakers have a six point lead. So this is a very competitive game. And Kobe's at 53. So now you're getting to a point where, okay, we're hitting 60 now. And he hits 60 um, with about halfway through the quarter. And he says, uh, so he also tweets at this point during the game, during the rewatch on Twitter. After the third quarter, at Lamar Odom tells me, you can't get 60. Then halfway through, he said, you can't get 70. So, I mean, cue the MJ meme, and I was offended by that. Yeah, no, Kobe Kobe took that personally. And After he went out there and showed Lamar Odom and Jalen Rose and Sam Mitchell and, you know, like everyone else involved with that game. But yes, he could score 81. <laughs> and I took that personally. But yeah. And, and at this point now with Kobe's, I think the, the fourth quarter is honestly Kobe's most impressive quarter. He ends up getting 28 in that final quarter, which, you know, rounds up to 81. But um, this is like the, his most impressive quarter. I think he hits like what was he hit like four threes. Yeah, it was several time. threes down the stretch, like to yeah. really pump it up right at the end there. And, and at this point, you can you can see that there's a little bit of you know let let's try to get as many as much as we can kind of thing. Yeah, no, I mean that was it, it was just like I, I, you can kind of see it like towards the end, and then Phil finally subs him out to make sure that he gets a standing ovation. But like, you know, and look, like if you're that close and like the game is still relatively close, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Like making sure that you like leave your best player in there and make sure that you like completely put them away. And if he gets a little bit of history, like in the process, like, you know, I don't think that that's anything warranting of criticism or uh, like at all. How much do you think this game contributes to his legacy? Oh, I mean, I, I think it's like, I, I think it's huge. I mean, it obviously like, it's not the first thing that people bring up. Like it, I'm, I'm talking even before last year, like it's not the first thing that people bring up with Kobe in terms of basketball achievements. It's like, you know, uh, it, him like first, you know, it's rings, it's count the rings and like, you know, five championships and all of that stuff and the winning and kind of the, the Mamba mentality and all of that stuff. But like, this is up there. This is, I, I mean, it's probably the most impressive game that he ever, he's at, like that he ever played other than I would argue the only one that has like that's maybe even better than this one is the 60 points in his final game just because like of how banged up and how old he was that year like that he could still mm-hmm. do that even though he got a little bit of help from some illegal screens was incredible but like this game is like I, I don't know that we probably look at Kobe similarly but I don't know we definitely don't look at him the same way without him having this like you know second highest scoring performance in mm-hmm. NBA history. Yeah, because I think of him like I, I kind of want to get your thought because I know you talked about Shaq and how he was the the more popular player at the time. So I guess am I wrong? I want you to correct me if I'm wrong because that's kind of why I brought you here. Uh, <laughs> so is it is it fair to say that like Steph and Clay, like Shaq is Steph and and Kobe is Clay at, at when they were together? Well, they're still together. Oh, you mean like, uh, like during when, the when Jack and Kobe were together, Kobe was like 
is it fair to say that the so two we're of them... basically like is Kobe the like is Kobe the one B essentially yeah. or like the clear number two? I mean, yeah. yeah, on those teams he clearly was like he was a guy that could have been a number one on almost any team. Same as you could probably like how different would we talk about Clay Thompson if he had played like you know on the Rockets like in James Harden's place or something yeah. like that? I'm not saying that necessarily like he would be as good before I like uh, you know make the entire. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like you know if Kobe had come up in an environment where he had had to do that you know, what he had to do on some of the nights that Shaq sat or he didn't have it going or he had just had more touches during that time, like, we'd probably look at his career differently. And we may look at it differently for the worse because he wouldn't have won as much. But, like, there, it, he was definitely, like, undisputed the number two on that team behind Shaq. Like, I, you know, a lot of people like to say 1A, 1B, but, like, that team revolved around Shaq. They still needed Kobe. Shaq did not carry him, mm-hmm. but Shaq was the like clear best player on all of those teams until maybe their final, their final season together. It was Kobe by that point. I'm not even going to say maybe, but for the three titles, it was Shaq. And, you know, here at the Passable Podcast, I like to look at things that people aren't necessarily going to expect from a Kobe-like podcast. I feel like doing the 81 point game was kind of necessary just given, you know, the resemblance of it. And like you said, I guess, you know, when people think of Kobe, not everyone thinks of the 81 point game. I mean, I guess for me, just because of when I grew up and from what I remember as a kid, that's something that, you know, sticks true to me. Um, Maybe not as, you know, maybe Lakers fans feel very differently about it. I'm not sure, but at least as a non-Lakers fan, as a general fan, that's something that I look at and point towards, you know, when I think of Kobe, this is something that I think of. So let's talk about this this middle ground point in his career, the, you know, the between the Shaq ending, the Shaq era ending and the POW era beginning. Um, And I guess also we can kind of culminate in this, this moment, this 81 point game is the highlight of that era. You know, the Lakers weren't really good. They, they obviously smush Parker is combining for 94 points with Kobe, but Kobe's got to drop 81 (laughs) in order for that to happen. And I think you look at that and you're like, you know, okay, and then Kobe ends up requesting this trade um, because, you know, he feels that he needs more help, which is understandable. And I think the Lakers did the right thing. Obviously, it led to two championships by keeping him. Um, I also, I don't want to talk about, like, negative things with Kobe, especially on this podcast, maybe for a different one, but not in this one. I don't think it's the right time for it. But I, what are, like, does this era, because at this point, he's, like, draw, he has that 40 streaks. He's winning scoring titles. He's doing all this. What about this era changes Kobe's like Kobe's legacy, I guess? I, I think it I think it taught him almost that like sometimes because I think it almost taught him be careful what you wish for. Because right, like he he wanted Shaq on. He they can have all the revisionist history that they want. Like you know, I I have you know I have heard behind the scenes stories from people who covered that team about stuff Shaq said about Kobe and stuff Kobe said about Shaq. And like you know, you can read Three Ring Circus by Jeff Perlman. It's a great book. I like I that just came out this year. Like about those years and how crazy it was. Like they wanted to be apart from each other. But then yeah. when you don't have Shaq. And the team doesn't necessarily put the most competitive roster around you. Yes, you get all of these opportunities that you want. Like Kobe had the ball in his hands every single play of like of the game. All this stuff. Like he had everything that he wanted. All the freedom that he had been begging for the entire time that he was basically telling Shaq to clear out so that he could get post-ups and things like that as a young player and whatever. Like, you know, all the self-assuredness. And I think 
almost made him realize, like, not that he wasn't as good as he thought he was, but just that you need some help. Like, you need someone to take some of the burden off of you. It doesn't necessarily have to be, like, as we saw with Pau, it can be someone who comes in and is the 1B to your 1A or the number two to your number one and that kind of thing. And, like, so, you like, but you need someone, you need a co-star. It can't just be you and it can't just be the Kobe show. And I think that that's what it showed him. And I think the other thing about Kobe's career that it, like, it almost is, kind of like an inflection possible turning point of like uh, of like there's a fork in the road here where like if he green lights a trade to the bulls like if he doesn't play such hardball with the lakers about like no i'm not gonna like accept this trade if like dang is included in it because i still want him there when i'm with the bulls and that kind of thing like you know if he ends up i, I believe there was talk at the time of the pistons trying to trade for him and whatever and kobe rejecting that and things like that like if he had not cared about going to a competitive situation in being dealt from the lakers then like you know he might have ended up on another team. And then all of a sudden he isn't the Laker lifer that we look at him as. And Mm -hmm. like, I also think that like, we talked about how bad that roster was. Like when we're talking about the 80.1 point game, like this is not just like a normal trade demand type of thing where, you know, and look, what, what is a normal trade demand in the NBA? There's always like some hit, like that's one of the things that I love about the NBA is there's like some circus that accompanies it, whether it's Jimmy Butler, like mm-hmm. kicking, you know, the Timberwolves starters ass and practice with a bunch of practice squad guys and then screaming at them that you need me for some reason while he's trying to get traded or it's James Harden showing up late to training camp and, you know, partying maskless during a pandemic and whatever. Like there's always something going on around these trade Can't requests. Repeat. Like, I want out. It has to be. I want out. And yeah. And like, so for in Kobe's case, he didn't just demand a trade that almost undersells what he did. He demanded a trade on video in the early days of like camera phones in a parking lot at a grocery store, uh, said that he wanted out, said that it said to like, yeah, I think he was asked about the Jason kid for Bynum rumors and like said, ship his ass out about Andrew Bynum. Uh, he like he went on the radio and said that he would rather play on Pluto than play for the Lakers uh, to get himself some help because of how bad the team was. And then he came back, joined that same, rejoined that same team for training camp, kicked everybody's ass, get them in gear. Bynum has an injury. They make the trade for Gasol, and then all of a sudden they're off and running on like not a dynasty, but a team that really defined I think the last you know that last part of the 2010s. So let's or 2000s. Sorry, let's talk about this because. His his MVP season is not his best season statistically. You look at the pre- previous two years, he wins scoring titles by averaging over 30, 35 at one point. And yet his numbers are worse, but the team is better. Yeah. So how how was that the case? What was with that 07-08 team? And why did that team work before they got Paul Gasol? Well, no, I mean, look, what we know about MVPs is normally, like, you don't get to be, and look, the Lakers were not, like, I forget what seed the Russell Westbrook Thunder were the year that he averaged a triple-double or whatever, but, like, most of the time, they were fourth seed? They were sixth seed. Six, yeah, most of the time the six seed does not get the MVP. And the Lakers were like eight seeds during Kobe's statistical best years right. because he also, like, I, I would have to look Those at this. Those are Steve you, Nash's MVP years. When yeah, the, I mean, the, Suns, well, the seven seconds or less Suns, we're going to have an episode about that in a couple of weeks, but uh, the seven seconds or less Suns were uh one of the best teams in that era and you know so that was steve nash's team and steve nash earned those two mvps but well was steve nash better than kobe both of those years i would argue probably the second one individually as a player i would not have taken steve nash but he had the better teams and i think that's what voters 
you know, care and about. And he's also, he was a white guy playing for a pass-first team that was, you know, like running around. It played an entertaining that's, style. And that, and that's the that. other part of the conversation. Yeah, there are dynamics there. Uh, and mm-hmm. they're also, like, they're very real aesthetic factors. And they're very real, like, personality factors. Nash is a very, like, uh, you know, likable, personable guy. Kobe was very much not that by that point in his career. He later became that with the media, but he was not there yet. And, uh, like, I, I think that there are a lot of factors that go into him not winning those. But, but primary above all of them is the win. And not just like, you know, everything else like that comes with Kobe and all of that. But like, you know, there are like, like you said, we don't want to go to a dark place, but there was the allegations, you know, with the earlier team and things like, like there were a lot of things that were working against Kobe, you know, from a narrative perspective mm-hmm. with those teams. But like, you know, when you are the number one seed, and this is one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I looked up and made sure that my memory was correct on this, but like, that team, uh, the 07-08 year when he won the MVP, they were coming down the stretch battling with the Pelicans for, or the, then it was the Hornets uh, at the time. Yeah, it was the Hornets then. Um, Chris Paul, uh, best it, with the Hornets. Yeah, it was the it was the Chris Paul Hornets, and they were battling them for basically the number one seed. And I remember hearing a lot of these pundits like on TV at the time because by that point, like I was fully back in, engaged on the Lakers. Like they had, you know, they sucked me back in. Like, and the other thing that I forgot to mention was. Uh, it brought me back in because I had to do current events for a high school class. Like we had to write about something in the paper and rather than write about like boring news stuff, I was like, let me write about the sports game that happened uh, the night before. And so I would write like a bunch of stories about the Lakers and almost as a precursor to my career. Um, But like they were battling with the, with the Hornets for the number one seed and like coming down the stretch of that season, they played the Hornets. Uh, I believe it was, was it in new Orleans? No, it was in LA. And basically that was, the game that determined the number one seed. And then I think in the minds of a lot of people, whoever got the number one seed was getting their MVP vote. And Kobe went out and dropped basically like a, Chris Paul was really good that game too. He had, uh, I want to look at it and make sure that I have this right. He had 15 and 17 in that game, 15.7 assists, 17 assists. So Personal really good game. game. <laughs> yeah. Like, and the, but Kobe was even better, had 29 points, nine of 17 shooting, 10 rebounds, eight assists, two steals, was only one turnover, was just like all over the court, wanted to make sure that his team secured that number one seed in what was like at least like a decently tight game. Yeah, it was a a three-point game. So like that was, it was one of the rare times when we had the two guys playing for MVP go head to head in the third to last game of the season, basically with Mm -hmm. seating on the line. And I think that that is ultimately, I mean, obviously it's not just that game, it's the body of work until that point. But Mm -hmm. when the body of work was pretty close, close between those two guys like you know leading up to that year like if you have them playing head to head in one final you game show up right when it counts. yeah like that's what's going to I think secure it in the minds of a lot of people and like to your part about like what worked for that team you know leading into that year before the pow trade like it was Bynum it was the guy that Kobe wanted to ship to New Jersey and uh, like said ship his ass out like mm-hmm. Bynum started the year you know like uh, you know out on a tear and then ended up hurting himself and like that put the team you know at a point where they needed to trade for Pau Gasol to get more center depth back but um like it, it was Bynum came out and that team was really fun and they really coalesced around Kobe and played through the noise and pretty quickly he was not talking about a trade demand anymore yeah a little bit off course but uh we didn't talk we didn't put this in the in the outline before the show but i i guess this is where the conversation is going so i'll ask you this loaded question i gave sabrina the same thing last week uh go check that out we talked about she did not warn me so i'm I'm not i'm not prepared for this (laughs) well okay here's so here's so you would say that the the lakers if if andrew bottom's not hurt they don't get pagasol correct is that is that fair to assume 
I don't know that that, because they didn't trade him, obviously, and, like, none of the stuff that they traded was, like, super nece- necessary, and they, they also played like those two together. So, like, they, yeah. I think if Pow was on the table, I think they'd probably make that deal either way, but it definitely made it more necessary for them to trade for Pow that he got hurt. Because, mm-hmm. like, they were, they were in the top, they were trying to get KG that same summer. And yeah. so, like, like to bring someone in to play alongside Kobe. So, like, they, they they were clearly like they had assets and they were churning the market and trying to like get something done there. And does and if that doesn't happen, do the Lakers win those titles in the next two years? If they don't trade for Powell, if they don't trade for Powell, I mean, I mean, then they still have. I mean, it's not like they gave up a ton to get Powell because obviously Mark turned into an amazing player, but he right. was like thr- like Mitch. Yeah, Kupchak like imagine, imagine Mark Gasol was the one that was a Laker lifer. Yeah, I mean, Mitch Kupchak literally, like from what I've heard, gave the Grizzlies the choice between Sunue or Mark Gasol, and they chose Mark because of the intel that they had from Powell. Uh, like on his way out the door, was trying to you know yeah. help them out and whatever. Like still obviously cared about that franchise and city and whatever, but and said go get my brother. Um and like so i think that uh like you know i'm not i they would have had those assets and they could have made a deal and they probably would have kept trying but yeah i mean i don't know that those titles get won if they don't bring in pow because it's not this is not you know anything on kobe this is more of like pow was such a per they complemented each other so perfectly as a yin and yang in that locker room on the court in terms of styles like i'm not sure that two players like you know, two superstars coming together. And, and like Powell was a, at the very least a star, we can quibble with superstar terminology or whatever, have fit that seamlessly, like right from the jump. I mean, maybe the, the only ones that I could think of right now are LeBron and Anthony Davis, like mm-hmm. are, you know, uh, playing for the Lakers right now. But um, like those two were just a perfect fit together. And I, I don't know if it's another guy or what they have to give up or whatever. Like they might've won a title. They might've found a way to get something done. Like, you know, Mitch Kupchak was still a really good GM back at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, less so now, obviously, but you know, I, I don't know, but I, I think that like, I, I think maybe, but probably not. I think, and, and, and like, we wouldn't, we probably wouldn't look at Kobe the same way either. If, if no. they don't win those titles, because Honestly, because if you say Kobe was a number two on those teams, him winning those two titles and him coming into his own these three seasons, uh, these three seasons more so than the rest of the later part of his career, you don't look at Kobe the same way you do now. And no, it, it seems insane to like phrase it like this, but like there were real questions about can Kobe lead you to a title mm-hmm. then? And like those were definitively answered with the three straight final trips and like, you know, the two championships back to back. But like going into those seasons, like that was a real question and it was a fair question. He wanted mm-hmm. out. Like, and then you don't have this complete outpour. Like, you obviously you might not see it as much of what his on his shocking death was when it was a shocking death you you got this sense of um wow like legend and well i think it was i think it was those titles that really solidified him as yeah. like he is one of the lakers own like at that point, like right. obviously he had won before, but he stayed, he stuck it out. He wanted to leave. He changed his mind. He brought them by, he brought them back to glory. Like now he has five rings with the franchise. He ends up spending his whole career there. Like who knows if that happens, if he doesn't win at some point, maybe he leaves in free agency. Maybe he asks out again. Like, and you I know, think that's part of, that's part of Kobe's legacy. That is a huge part of it. 
Absolutely. And I mm -hmm. also think that those titles were like, that was what allowed him to kind of build the Mamba mentality narrative that I think struck a chord with so many people. Like I, I know for me personally, like, you know, I always credit like two people for my work ethic and like it, it's my dad and uh, like it's Kobe because like Kobe was the one that made you believe like through his words, through the way that he went out and played the game, like that if you worked hard enough at something, like no matter how impossible it seemed, like you could make it happen. He was the one that made me naive enough to think that I could carve out a career for myself in blogging, like if I just wrote enough and it ended up working out. But like that was, I, I think it was that, you know, way of approaching the game that resonated people with people almost more than just the basketball thing. It was the way that he talked about it. It was the way that he went about it. And like kind of the, you know, he talked about being a storyteller during his farewell tour. And I think that he told mm -hmm. a great story that really resonated with a lot of people. And I don't know that that story hits the same or even takes the same path if those two titles don't happen. That tidbit from you, Harrison, is a great segue into tomorrow's episode, a great little you know sneak preview. So be sure to subscribe to the Basketball Podcast and your podcast app of choice so that you don't miss a single episode. We are uh, giving you new episodes every Tuesday and Wednesday, so be sure to check that out. Tomorrow we'll have Harrison back on. We're about to record it uh, right after this, and we are going to talk more about Kobe's legacy, what mama mentality means to ordinary people and the NBA at large and, and just heroes and athletes and self. So before we sign off for this episode though, Harrison, thank you so much. Uh, drop your Twitter handle, anything that you're working on and uh, tell the listeners what, what, where to find you. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at H-M-F-A-I-G-E-N. You can find all of my work at silverscreenandroll.com. Uh, it's where, you know, I cover the Lakers. I podcast about the Lakers. I write, you know, I like I tweet over there. I do like everything that I do, you can find at silverscreenandroll.com. So we're going to be, I'm sure, writing a fair amount about Kobe this week. We're going to be writing about this still really, really good basketball team that exists in Los Angeles and is like playing in the middle of a pandemic and looks like set to maybe repeat his titles kind of like Kobe did. And, uh, you know, so just I, I like look out for a mix of stories on both of those things. Mm -hmm. So, yes, that's silverscreenandroll.com. All things Lakers at SBNation.com. Go check Harrison and the rest of the gang over there out. One of the best sites for Lakers coverage. Uh, and you can also uh, be sure to follow basketball on Twitter at basketball, P-A-S-T-K-E-T, ball. You can also follow uh, HoopsPodNet on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter if you want. Uh, that, that'd be cool. At Jeremy Brenner. J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. -E -E Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And until next time, rewind and be kind. Of.